0: To say one waits a lifetime for his soulmate to come around is a paradox. People get sick of waiting around. But the art of commitment is a saw that eventually cuts. It was 1983 and 18 months passed since the mysterious world of Buster Lee began. New characters have come on the scene. Things have changed for the better. Overwhelmed by success, Neely Cairo hired 20-year-old Mayella Williams as a personal assistant. Williams is psychic. She can remote view, but she has a long way to go. New too is wannabe celebrity and know-it-all 13-year-old Venture Falls. Joan Reynolds' niece Venture dreams of a career as a model, actress and singer. Last but not least is a part-time surfer, child of privilege and bon vivant, Mutt Keep News. He's driven, ambitious, and lacks an empathy chip. But Mutt Keep News is so movie star handsome, so dope, he's stopped every day by strangers who want his John Henry. Set your calendar to 1983 and welcome to part two of season one of the mysterious world of Buster Lee. that happened in Seapork are not reflective of the broader national culture of Japan. The Japanese do not condone cruelty. The slaughter of dolphins in Taigi is as abhorrent in Tokyo as it is in London, New York, Paris, or Sydney. Buster Lee, Lars LaGuardia, and Beck the Blue Heeler snacked on pretzels inside a vintage 1939 Sea Otter Plane at Butler Sea Plain Base Near the site of the 1939 World's Fair, there would be numerous stops, and such, but one way or another, they were going to Japan. Oh, and here's something else you need to know before we go any farther. In the early 70s, Lars was stationed in Japan with his parents. When he was nine, Lars was bit by the Kabuki Theater bug. It was arranged for the inquisitive boy to study Kabuki with Mr. No, Kabuki's foremost teacher. Now, nearly 10 years later, sensing Mr. No was coming to the end of his days, Lars returned to Japan. Keen to experience the land of a thousand suns, Buster Lee and Beck tagged along. Five days later, Buster Lee landed the sea otter. In the waters off the bay of taiki instantly recognized the three sleuths cleared immigration quickly and cabbed into town sitting in their small room in hotel iridori lars having removed his khaki jacket buster lee and he weighed their options while beck chewed on a toy thumbing through a guidebook buster lee said we can visit the buddhist temple that is home to 92 orange and white six-toed cats or we can go to Simono car factory and see their world famous robots. Lunch is included. The tour begins six days a week at 6 AM when 400 Simono workers or associates as they call them in Japan, meet in a clean air conditioned ultra modern factory to sing the national anthem and the company song. As is their wont, male and female workers are segregated by fence Yes, it's electrified. After singing the national anthem, the company song, and after a spirited round of calisthenics, the workday begins. At the start of the automobile assembly line is the chassis. It is the frame onto which we assemble a car First lifted into place are the passenger seats, then engineers solder a gas tank beneath a trunk that is large enough to hold four small suitcases. Female workers dressed in unisex jumpsuits bolt impact-absorbing side panels into place. A bug-eyed robot picks up a gleaming four-cycle aluminum engine and cradles it into the nest between the front wheels. Another robot this one wearing oven mitts, lowers the roof, and hot glues it in position. In 30 minutes, the car is made, and a worker drives it to the lot outside. Today, something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. When the worker opened the car door, he was doused with 100 gallons of seawater. A two-foot-long baby dolphin, in its last throes of life, flopped onto the factory floor. Its spine snapped. Another worker, carrying a small club, ran toward the struggling creature. Like when the baseball hits the sweet spot of the bat, and it caves with a softness, the worker beat misery out of the baby dolphin. Little did Busterly know, it was two days before the annual dolphin slaughter in Taigi. After this morning's macabre spectacle, the boys were ready to fly home. Buster Lee and Lars ran from the car factory to Hotel Iridori. The Mysterious World of Buster Lee, presented by Adam Ive. Now, Seapork. Japan is subject to nature's wrath. Every year, typhoons, tsunami, torrential rains, droughts, heat waves, bushfires, snowstorms, cyclones, sea level rise, and earthquakes savage the island nation. Some places in Japan get it worse, a lot worse. Take Taigi. Besides the wrath of nature, The village of Taigi and its surrounding ecosystem are subject to the wrath of man. In the morning, Buster Lee took Beck for a walk. Taigi is at the bottom of a peninsula at the southernmost point of the main Japanese island of Honshu. Mountains hemmed Taigi in, and locals looked to the sea for their livelihood. After Beck took care of his business, and just before the rain started, Buster Lee returned to Hotel Iridori, and met his chum Lars at the hotel restaurant for breakfast. Over cups of steaming tea, miso soup, rice porridge, and some pickled vegetables, Lars spoke about his experience as a boy. Under the tutelage of Mr. No, there were lessons in illusion, costuming, makeup, wigs, and of course, the mysteries of the mind. With Mr. No, Lars learned these things and much, much more. Famous for its decor, dedicated to the harmony of man and nature, Sanraku was the oldest tea house in Taigi. Sanraku was a favorite haunt of Mr. No. Lars had not seen the Homburg-wearing white-suited sage in years. Standing behind Mr. No, as he greeted his former student with a hug, Buster Lee saw Lars' eyes tear up. Looking at the flowers beside the cashier, Mr. No said, Orchids are dreadful things. Their flesh is too like the flesh of men and their perfume has the rotten sweetness of corruption. But I speak too soon. Tomorrow is September 1st, and the start of the dolphin call of Taigi. The methods used to capture and murder the dolphins had attracted widespread condemnation. Fishermen banged metal poles together beneath the water to confuse the dolphins. Then they herded them into the shallow water where they are left for several days before being taken to the cove to be murdered. Buster Lee and Lars were horrified. They do nothing but sing and play, said Mr. No. To kill them is to take advantage of someone weaker than you. The words hung in Buster Lee's mind. They do nothing but sing and play. Later at the hotel, Buster Lee called his frenemy Mutt Keepnews, son of Cyrus Keepnews from the publishing dynasty. Mutt recently moved into the Nebraska apartments. Neely Cairo was friends with Mutt's daddy Cyrus. On the brief phone call, Buster Lee explained the Tygee Dolphin genocide to Mutt, who agreed to help. Love or hate him, Mutt, a startlingly attractive child of privilege, some described as pretty, was well connected. He would do anything to demonstrate he was more than good genes and serendipity. It also helped he lived on a generous monthly trust. Keep News lived with his daddy in a sprawling 20-room apartment at the top floor of the Nebraska, a landmark building built in 1880 on New York's Upper West Side. After supper, with some of New York's literary Brad Pack with first names like Brett, Jay, and Tama, Mutt discovered a telegram stuffed under the door. After tossing his blazer on a chair, Mutt sat down and read the missive. It was from Buster Lee. It said, Mutt, stop. Good to know you are with us. With your daddy's media empire, we may not stop the dolphin genocide, but we can make a dent. Stop. Thank you. Stop. Hoping to see you soon. Stop. Buster Lee and Lars. Stop. And back. Stop. When he finished reading the telegram, Mutt called Eastern Union. The woman at the telegram company did not understand English, and Mutt had to repeat himself many times. Mutt's telegram said, Buster got your message. Stop. No dolphin slaughter. Stop. Father to throw weight of media empire against dolphin kill. Stop. We'll be in Japan tomorrow. Stop. Mutt. Stop. Although he wanted to end it with love, Mutt, he thought it could be infinito troppo, too, too much. Between Buster Lee, Lars, Beck, and Mutt, a plan to save the dolphins was hatched. Together, they were off like a hobo on a ham sandwich. The following day, after trekking the mountains of Tai Gi with Beck, Lars and Buster Lee met Mr. No at his home and told him of their plans. Mr. No didn't understand who Mutt was. Mutt's family are big publishers. They make magazines and TV shows, Busterly said. Mr. No, in a suit the color of cream, said, Others have tried, but you can't stop three centuries of peasant tradition any more than you can stop tsunami or earthquake. In the time it takes to oven roast a capon, Mutt was standing on Sunset Drive. From the payphone in front of Gazare's on the Strip, Mutt called Buster Lee. No one answered, so he left a voicemail, the first he'd ever made. The voicemail was not ubiquitous in those days. After the beep he said, campaign is a go. There are billboards in New York, London, Paris, Miami, Tokyo, Bombay, plus full-page ads in all the fashion magazines starting next week. I'll be in Japan tomorrow. At midnight, after a four-hour train ride, Mutt arrived at Hotel Iridori in Taigi, Japan. Never a light traveler, a bellman with a hunchback, helped Mutt with his luggage. The day before the cull, in a dory that leaked, Buster Lee, Lars, Mutt, Mr. No, and Beck went to mist-covered Hatajiri Bay for a look-see. Mr. No tried his best to explain the fishermen of Tai The Taigi have been cutting up the dolphins for 2,000 years. Are they any different from the people who make Beck's food? Are they any different from the people who murder seals and turn them into coats for the rich? Staring in the water, Buster Lee was reminded of something he'd read. The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in the mind at the same time and still function. Looking at the dolphin splashing in the water, the humans in the dory said nothing. After the boat trip, my keep news changed and went for a run. 10 minutes out, a scale 5 earthquake struck and shook the town of Taigi like a baby's rattle. Mutt said, I had never been in an earthquake. I had no experience of how it feels, but then it happened. What I know is that life can only be better if you survive something of that caliber. You hope you come out stronger. Still, scare the beans out of me. At the intersection in front of Hotel Iridori, Mutt and Lars walked across the street together. An earthquake reminds you how dependent we are on each other. London, New York, Los Angeles, Madrid, Paris, Chicago, Mexico City, Halifax, Rome, and Amsterdam. Thanks to the Keep News publishing juggernaut, the Save a Japanese Dolphin campaign was everywhere. Magazines and billboards carried messages like SeaWorld, starring kidnapped baby dolphins the entire family will love Or They kill mammals in ty why can't we in L.A. Or Whale meat kills babies, stop the infanticide now Or First Pearl Harbor, now ty No more murder in Japan. Or, the Taigi whale hunt is destroying California beaches. Or, stop the Taigi whale massacre. Visit Denny's to find out how. Or, is that a fish taco? Stop the Taigi whale massacre. Or, love your sushi? Better stop the Taigi whale massacre. Or, don't kill whales, kill the whalers. Or, we went to war over oil. Now how about the whales? Or, adopt a Taigi fisherman. Stop the whaling industry. Or, hey Taigi whalers, learn to code. On it went. The Save a Japanese Dolphin campaign was a success. It even won an award in Cannes. On the day of the slaughter, no one from Buster Lee's entourage left the hotel. Instead, lying onto tatami Matz, Buster Lee, Lars, Mutt, and Beck Watch cable news coverage on the dolphin controversy. Global reaction to the Save the Dolphin campaign was favorable. There was dancing in the streets of San Francisco, Houston, and Lisbon. Still, the Save the Dolphin campaign wasn't enough to stop the genocide of the beautiful little dolphins, but it was a start. Standing on the fourth floor balcony overlooking Hatagiri Bay, Beck experienced the dolphin cull in a way humans could not. Because he was a dog, Beck could hear the screaming of the dolphins as though they were in the room next door. Lars wondered if higher mammals experienced interspecies empathy. Looking at Beck's lugubrious eyes, he found the answer. early in the morning the orange streetlight still on Mr. No went to Hotel Iridori to see Lars, Buster Lee, Maquip News and back off five minutes and four hugs later Buster Lee and company climbed into the taxi and headed towards the 1939 Sea Otter plane, docked at the harbor in Taigi watching the car disappear Mr. No hoped the boys learned something. Now alone, Mr. No picked up the local Taigi newspaper. He grimaced. Yesterday, something went wrong. Something went terribly wrong. Another macabre gift from the sea appeared, writhing on the floor of the Simono Car Company. A two-foot-long baby dolphin in its last throes of life flopped onto the factory floor carrying a small club another worker ran toward the struggling creature like when the baseball hits the sweet spot of the bat and it caves with a softness the worker beat misery out of the baby dolphin Mysterious World of Buster Lee Presented by Adam Ive Mystery World theme by Oliver Wickham Follow us on Instagram Go ampersand pod underscore planet For show notes and merch, go to podplanet.org Special thanks to Tattoo Sound and Music The Mysterious World of Buster Lee is written and produced by podplanet.org